Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So, okay, we're in Judges uh, 19. We're getting close to the end of the whole book here. And in 18, remember, the Danites had established a shrine from stolen things that they took out of uh, the guy's house. They made a shrine that opposed the true worship of the Lord at Shiloh. Remember, they set up their own, their own shrine with the shrine items they stole. And now the, the last at the end of that book said, and the house of God was in Shiloh. They're opposing where the worship is supposed to be. They're supposed to be going to Shiloh where the tabernacle is at. This basically says, God, we don't need you anymore. We have turned our back on you. We're going to create our own system. We've created our own religion, and they set up their own way of worship, doing it what, what they want to do, which is away from God. And you can't operate like that. Bad things will happen. And as we've been seeing in Judges, things keep getting worse. Even early in Judges, it's a downward spiral. Things get worse and worse all the time. Now, we don't even need to go to Shiloh anymore. Forget the Lord. We're going to do our own thing with our own molded images. It's just not good. Not good. And so this false worship in Dan is a forerunner of that of Jeroboam, who's going to later come establish a northern kingdom shrine at Dan. And this basically shows us a degradation of the culture. The degradation of the culture is presented to us now in Judges 19. What happens to an entire culture of people when they start doing things the way they think is right? Oh my gosh, look at America. Everybody's doing what they think is right. My party is right. My party is right. And in the middle, they're all fighting with each other. The whole thing's messed up all the way around. Now, I have a party that I choose, and I have people I vote for according to the righteousness of God. I look at party aspects of the party, and I vote that way. But I'm not telling you what my party is, and I don't post anything about politics ever because I don't want to go into that little arena. I don't want to get caught in that snag where people give to give people a reason to get mad at me. I represent Jesus Christ. That's who I stand for. And he's coming back as king, and he's not taking votes. He's not holding an election. He's not going to see if the majority is okay with him being king. He's going to come back and says, I'm king. That's the way it is. Deal with it. <laughs> we need to get ourselves in line for that and stop playing politics. So we get into this cultural mess where people start doing things the way they think is right because there was no king. And we've already seen it say that many times, as we're going to see now in Judges 19, where it talks about the Levite's concubine. Judges 19 and 1. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. I'm just going to stop there for a minute. There's no king in Israel. It reminds us again. How many times have we seen this before? Twice now already. Judges 18 opened up like that. In the same way, there was no king in Israel. 
But chapter 17 is where we first saw this, but it expanded on why this is a problem. And I'm trying to remind ourselves why there's something wrong with there being no king. What's the problem with no king? Judges 17 and 6 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, when you do something that's right in your own eyes, I guarantee you, you're going to be wrong. (laughs) I have this thing I learned to do with the college kids that I used to teach at a church a long time ago, and it's called, How Long is an Inch? I asked, I was was going to teach a class, and there was this guy who said something he really shouldn't have said. He said, Christians don't need to read the Bible. And I thought, oh, no, I'm not allowing that to pass in my group, Not, not for a minute. And I said, what did you say? And I asked him to say it again. He goes, Christians don't really, you don't need the Bible because he didn't bring a Bible. And so he just, well, who needs the Bible? And I said, I'll show you why you need the Bible. Anyway, I went up to the board, a dry erase, and I put a dot on the board. And I said, okay. I told that guy that said, Christians don't need to read the Bible. I said, you come up here and I want you to put another dot from this one. I want you to put another dot 40 inches away from that dot. Do the best you can. And he gets it, he looks at it, and he goes, oh, boy, am I in trouble? I said, not yet. <laughs> so he's trying, he's like measuring his knuckles. He's doing the, I said, just do the best you can. And he put another dot, and he goes, probably about there. I said, okay. I asked some other fella, I asked a couple more people, and I gave them all a different measurement, and I asked another guy, come up and put uh, another dot uh, 12 inches, a lot closer. And so he guessed, okay, about right there. And then I told him, now, y'all give me one. Y'all give me one. Make it hard. Make it a fraction. (laughs) And so they said, okay, how about uh, like uh, 37 and 5 eighths or something? I said, okay. And I went up to the board and I went like this. And I measured from that dot and I did it exactly. Because I had what's called a standard. And I said, now, to the guy that said, you don't need the Bible, I said, I'm going to measure yours. What did I tell you, 40? He goes, yeah. I measured him. I said, oh, man, you're way off. And measured his. His was off. The guy that did 12, I said, oh, you're, you're way off too. And these guys were off because they didn't have a standard. Guys, the Holy, uh, the, the holy Word of God, the Bible, is our standard. Jesus Christ lived the standard. He is the Word. He's the standard. You have to have standards. If you don't, you'll do what you think is right, but it will always be off. Now, what's interesting is uh, the first guy asked to do 40. One guy asked to do 20. And you know what the guy that did 20 did? He looked at the other fellow's 40 and gauged based on what the first guy did. He goes, well, if that's 40, half that has to be 20. So he just did based on what the next guy did. And that's what our culture is doing today. People are acting in a way based on somebody else. Did you know that God never called you to act like a Christian? He called you to act like Christ. Big difference. The standard. And so when when it says that there was no king, there was no standard. This right here is 12 inches. Nobody's going to argue with this. This is not an argument. This is 12 okay? (laughs) Because I have a standard. Here's 12. Can you imagine if somebody's building a house and some contractors showed up, say you had a plumbing contractor, an electrical contractor, and a um, carpenter contractor showed up, but all of their rulers were different. Let's say the plumber's tape, he, he thought a foot was actually 11 inches. Let's say the other second contractor thought a foot was really 10, and they were all different. You imagine how that house would turn out 
Nothing's going to fit. Nothing's going to work. Doors ain't going to shut. The electric's not going to come on. The plumbing is probably going to drain into your kitchen floor or something. Things are not going to work. And the reason things aren't going to work is because nobody went by a standard. That's what's wrong with our country. Guys, we have to go by a standard. Nobody argues this is 12 inches. Friends, by the word of God, nobody can argue on what is truly right and what is truly wrong. God's word says what is right and what is wrong. If you go by what you think is right, you're already wrong. Let's go by the standard. So it said no king. There was no standard of rule in Israel. And this has now become Israel's anthem. The statement that identifies them with the lawlessness that's going on. People doing crazy things to one another, messing each other up. You had people cheating and stealing from each other in in the previous chapter alone. It's because they're lawless. There's no standard to go by. And so idolatry has now characterized the entire nation. So now here we are in chapter 19. And we're going to see the continual degradation of Israel because they would rather follow their own way on what they think is right than according to a standard that God has given us. Now, as the Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Sin produces death in its finality when it's full grown. So friends, what God is trying to tell us in his word is that when you do things your way, what you think is right and not his way, it's going to turn out really really bad. And that's where we are here in now chapter 19 in the book of Judges. But now in chapter 19, it's about to get even worse. You know, evil never plateaus. It gets worse all the time, okay? Judges 19 and 1, let's do this again. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel that there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim, and he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four whole months. Okay, this is not the same Levite priest we read about previously in the last chapter. This was a different guy, but just so happened to come from Bethlehem just like Micah's priest did. Apparently, priests in that area from Bethlehem are really messed up. (laughs) There's no standard to go by. And so his concubine, it says, it played the harlot against him. With, against him. In other words, she cheated on him against him. Again, no moral standards are set by a king. There's no authority around to hold people accountable to what was right. Remember in Jesus' day when that woman was caught cheating? Boy, they dragged her out and let's stone her. Okay, they were trying to, okay, they didn't have this going on right now in Israel, so she just did what she wanted to. There's nobody to hold her accountable. So she cheated on him. You have to have moral law for a society to live by and an authority with power that could uphold it, or else the result is lawlessness, people doing whatever they want to to whoever they want to. And so she cheated. However, this Levite priest, he did not have good morals either because concubines were never approved of in God's word. What's a concubine? It's like a lower stature wife. It's like another wife. It's his wife, but it's a lower wife. Concubines were never approved of. God's plan for marriage in Genesis is between one man and one woman. And so historically, it seems that concubines 
were for men whose wives were barren. Now, we did see that in the passages before. If you recall, Sarah actually wanted Abram to bring children for her through a concubine. But later in history, concubines became more of an object of sexual pleasure. That's kind of what this has become now. And so let's recall from Judges 8 that Gideon took up with a concubine in Judges 8. And that's how we ended up with Abimelech. Y'all remember Abimelech, the son of a concubine. That's how we got him, that guy that forced his way into being king and ended up murdering all these hundreds of people. It didn't turn out well. So we see in chapter 19 that both the priest and the concubine are behaving lawlessly. Now, a priest of all people should get it. (laughs) A priest. Guys, today we have pastors behaving lawlessly. And that's not good either. It's a sign of the times. But she cheated on him, and she left. She left and went back for four months. She cheated and took off. Judges 19 and 3. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him. So she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father, detained him, and he stayed with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged there. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning, and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh your heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. So they sat down, and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay all night, and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him, so he lodged there again. Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, Please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon, and both of them ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant His father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. Okay, I want you all to get a good look at what's going on here. (laughs) The priest, this Levite priest here, he's doing what seems right. She cheated on him and left, but he's going through all this work now staying here to be reconciled back with her, even after what she did. And he actually does get her to turn back to him, because in verse 9, it says that when he stood up to depart, she stood up with him. Oh, look at that. Want her back. And so I know right now that right off the bat, I mean, you know, he's thinking, who's the man? You know, I got her back. She stood up with me when I went to leave, so he he gained her back. Right off the bat, you're probably thinking, this is a good gospel parallel to make out of this story about reconciliation and winning back those who turned away from us and and all that. I can kind of see that a little bit, but wait, you got to finish the rest of the story first. (laughs) We got to finish what's going on here. This is not getting better. This is getting worse. This is not getting better. It's getting worse. Judges 19 and 10. However, the man was not willing to spend that night, so he rose and departed and came opposite Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. With him were the two saddled donkeys. His concubine was also with him. They were near Jebus, and the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, Come, please, and let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master 
said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. Okay, Jerusalem at this time is known as Jebus because of the Jebusites who were living in it. Y'all may recall something about the Jebusites. When God told the Israelites, he said, remove all the enemies from the land when you come in, but they couldn't do it. I want to take you back to what happened in Joshua 15 and 63. When they were coming in the land, they're supposed to remove everybody. It says in Joshua 15, 63, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. And so here we are in the days of the judges, all this time later. We remember studying that back. It's happened a long time ago by now. But now here, they're still in the Jerusalem area. They're still there when they're supposed to be gone. They were supposed to be gone. That's like a key moment here in the story. God said, get them out of there, but they couldn't do it for whatever reason. They had a lot of faults and flaws going on at the time. They couldn't get them out, and they're still there. So what we're seeing, again, is oppression. Not by the Philistines in this instance, but we're being shown that there are other people who are in the land adding to the overall oppression. Jebusites. Now, this is a very dark time in Israel's history coming on right here. There are so many different pagan cultures living in there among them that God intended for that land to be pure for his people, okay? We got to get that snapshot in our minds of what's going on here. Judges 19 and 13. So he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take them into his house to spend the night. Okay, so here they are in Benjamite territory. The Benjamites are Israelites. That's their brethren. And you, you should be welcome in the territory of your own brothers, right? Hey, we're Israelites too. I'm a Levite. You're a Benjamite. Nobody's letting them in. Nobody would take them into their house. And to think that the Levite's reason for going past Jebus was because he assumed they would have a warm welcome in Gibeah. Let's don't go to Jebus because of the Jebusites. Let's go on to where our brothers are. And they get there. Nobody's wanting them in. You ever been somewhere where you just felt like nobody didn't want you around? You ever been there? Uh, we, we'd rather you not be here. <laughs> I've been in that before. It doesn't feel good. So they're not getting a warm welcome in Gibeah among the Benjamites. The pagan culture, what we got to see here, the pagan culture has corrupted even the Israelites to where they were not hospitable even to their own fellow Israelites. Guys, I have to make an admission today here in America, Christians are not hospitable to other Christians. What's wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Now, we've seen this Levite's journey take him from a place of great hospitality where the father-in-law wanted him to stay. Hey, stay another day. Okay, I'll stay another day. Oh, hey, why don't you just stay another day? Okay, uh, it's late. Why don't you just stay another day? We went from one extreme to the other. No, don't go home. Don't go home. Stay a little while. Stay a little while. Hospitality entertained him. Just Eastern culture all over this guy. I love you, man. Just hang around a while. Now he's with his own brethren, and they won't even let him in. We went from from not so okay to worse. (laughs) This is getting bad. 
He's now at a place of his own people, and nobody wants him to stay. Israel has become very, very dark. This is what sin does when you don't get it out. When God says, get that sin out of your life, and you don't, this is what happens. Okay? Judges 19.16. Just then an old man came in from his work in the field that, that evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? So he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord. But there is no one who will take me into his house." Although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself, for your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Okay, it sounds like this old man knows something he don't know. Don't stay out here. <laughs> he, he, he knows the area. <laughs> Come inside. You don't want to be outside. But this is wonderful, though. At the last minute, they were finally invited, brought in by someone, this old man. Now, I feel, like I said, maybe the old man was aware of the nature of the city. That he, he, he didn't want them staying outside. He, he knew something. He's probably familiar with these people, but let's see why. Judges 19.22, Gibeah's crime. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look. Here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. But the men would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. Look how bad things have gotten. Look at what these guys did to her. They wanted to know the old man's house guest carnally. In other words, they wanted to satisfy their homosexual desires upon him. Now, the old man considered the laws of hospitality to his Levite guest, to be a higher priority to keep him safe from being violated rather than giving over the women to be violated instead. The man took higher priority. The women are lower. Let's send them out. This is not a good situation at all. In my opinion, violating anyone is wrong. And I find it problematic that even though the old man hands over the women to them after telling them their desire as viola men violating other men, as he put it, is called wicked and outrageous. You saw the guy say that. This is wicked, outrageous, and vile. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.